We welcome those of you joining us from downstairs in our traditional sanctuary. Good morning. I'm Pastor Kyle Thompson. Thank you for joining us today. Also, those of you who are streaming online or listening to the podcast. And again, welcome to all of those of you who are here today in our modern sanctuary worshiping God. Uh, We are in the season of Lent. Uh, That is a Christian season in the Christian calendar. It's 40 days that lead into Easter Sunday. And the season of Lent is a time for introspection to think about our relationship to God. A great question to ask ourselves is, how is it with my soul? How is my relationship to God? Uh, And during this, our uh, sermon series is called In a Different Light, in which we're trying to look for God in our lives. Could there be more to God than meets the eye? Could there be more to God than just what we see in our everyday lives? And uh, we're trying to open our eyes up to see that God is real and all around us and that we might be able to see God in a different way, in a different light. So that's kind of what been our approach uh, over the past few weeks. And uh, one of our key scripture verses comes to us from Psalm 119, 18a. Uh, Open my eyes that I may see. Uh, just encourage you maybe to pray that uh, once a day, whenever you do your devotional time with God, maybe more than once a day. But hey, God, we're looking for you. It's the season of Lent. We want to see you. We want to see you in a different way. Please make yourself uh, clear to us. And we've been uh, talking about contemplation, to contemplate uh, based upon some writings by Richard Rohr. He's a Catholic priest living out in New Mexico. And I've given you a few different definitions, kind of a different one each week. I want to do another definition today of contemplation, Um, a kind of seeing that is much more than mere looking because it also includes recognizing and appreciating what we see. The contemplative mind does not tell us what to see, but teaches us how to see what we behold. So we're going to come back to that at the end of the message, and hopefully it will stand out more and maybe have more meaning for you. But we're not just looking for God. We want to recognize God. We want to appreciate God when we see God, and also other people and things that are happening in our lives. And so thanks for being here today to be a part of this discussion as we want to see God in our lives and uh, in the world. So maybe if you're like me, sometimes you wonder when you are on the internet and you're surfing, you're going to different websites, maybe you're doing some social media, why is it that specific ads pop up and why do some of those advertisements seem to be focused at you? Like they seem to come in batches or waves. Like, you know, maybe like, why do I get all these wrinkle cream commercials every time that I get onto the internet? Or, hey, here's another one about burritos. You know, what is it about my computer and me that I get all these burritos and wrinkle cream advertisements? Um, or maybe you're on social media and you have like literally thousands of contacts or friends or followers. And yet in the midst of over, you know, a thousand people, the ones that show up in your feed most often might be 10 or 20 of the same people. And you're wondering, where are the rest of these friends in my life? You know, like, I love Mike Olert. He's on my feed. But if I see another, you know, cute uh, cat video from him, I might vomit. You know, so, like, what happened to uh, the other friends of mine on social media? Well, an easy answer might be, you know, that one, our phones are probably literally spying on us, and uh, they hear what we say, and then it goes into an ad somewhere. You're talking about a vacation in Hawaii, and all of a sudden you get all these Hawaiian vacation ads. That that might be true. Uh, and also, it has something to do with something called an algorithm. Um, a social media algorithm is a set of rules, signals, and data that governs how content is filtered, ranked, and recommended to users on the platform. All right, so a social media algorithm is kind of like a matchmaker. 
right? The people who write these programs for the computers are trying to match up with you the best ads of stuff that you might want to buy, or they will match up with you some of your best friends within your contacts that have a lot to do in common with you. And so maybe I'm the one that's sending all the cat videos instead of Mike Oler. But uh, so these algorithms are running and they're controlling what you see. And so you get to see with like tunnel vision. You see just a slice of what's on the internet when there's a whole another world out there. All kinds of people and places and things that you're not seeing because someone somewhere has set up a bunch of rules that are going to give you tunnel vision to see what they want you to see and hopefully buy their products on the internet. And so it, it got me to kind of to be thinking about, could there be other algorithms going on in, in my life? Are there other things that are pointing me in directions to keep my, my focus on one area and miss out on the rest of the world? And could there be algorithms metaphorically running in my brain so that I see the world in a small, you know, tunnel vision kind of way when there's a lot more to it? Could there be an algorithm running in my brain that, that limits my vision of God to something very small and minute when there's much more to God than meets the eye? Right? What algorithms might be running in your brains and in your hearts and in your souls? Right? Maybe an example. Maybe you have an algorithm of distrust that whenever you encounter people based upon your past experience, there's something about every person that you meet that you probably just cannot trust. And so whether you would run into someone as kind as Mother Teresa or as evil as Adolf Hitler or somewhere in the middle with your nice neighbor who baked you some brownies and brought them to you, you're going to see them all in a very similar way. They're out to get me. I can't trust them. She's bringing me these brownies, but I know it's to make me feel guilty because I haven't given her anything or she's going to ask me for something. And so we begin to see everybody with the same filter, and sometimes we're right. Adolf Hitler probably, if he was alive, was probably not be looking out for you, and you probably couldn't trust him. But if Mother Teresa was alive and, and standing here, then you could probably trust her more than you could Hitler, and you could probably trust your neighbor who's baking you brownies more than Hitler. But through the algorithm based upon your experience in your life, you're not going to trust any of them. And so sometimes you're going to be right, and sometimes you're going to make a huge mistake, and you're not going to see the goodness that stands right in front of you. And I think we do this with God, too, right? How do you see God in your life? Right? We talked about it several times in, in this sermon series. You know, some of us have a negative view of God. Right? Like God's this, you know, this, this mean teacher that's trying to catch us breaking the rules so he can punish us, like a wrathful and avengeful God. And if that's how we see God, we're missing out on the, the good and the loving parts of God, the self-sacrifice that God made for us, the creating us in God's image. Right? Some of us focus on the love and the joy and the peace and the, and the grace of God, and that's great. But sometimes we forget that God gets angry, that when God sees injustice in the world and people being done wrong and, and, and bad things happening, that that makes God angry. And sometimes we forget that God can be angry and, and we can get lost in our touchy-feely kind of world and, and, and forget that God wants us to be in action to, to bring justice into the world. Right? So, I want you to be thinking today about the algorithms. How do you view the world? How do you view other people? How do you view God? And, 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 and sometimes, again, it serves us well, and we're right on the mark. And sometimes we can be literally looking at somebody and not seeing them for who they are. You might be looking right at God and not even know we're looking at God because these things are running in the background that get us kind of all kilter. Okay? So that's what we're going to be talking about today. What algorithms 
might be influencing the way that you see life and limiting your perspective, and you might be missing out on something. So I want to go into some quotes from Richard Rohr, and uh, when I first read these, like, it hit me like a ton of bricks. They still hit me like a ton of bricks. You might want to get your phones out today and take some pictures. We're going to be looking at some deep stuff. I think it's deep to me, and you might want to wrestle with it later when you get home. Uh, but it, it, it's changed my life. It's changed my worldview, and I hope it helps you. And we're going to tie it into Scripture. This guy's a, he's, a, he's a Christian. He follows Jesus. He's a scriptural guy. Uh, but as we think about these algorithms in our lives that are running the way that we see the world, right, we're, we're gonna, it's going to be deep. Before we get to that, maybe on a lighter note, when these algorithms are controlling us, it can kind of be like that movie Groundhog Day. Have anybody seen that movie? we got a, a photo of this, right? where Bill Murray gets stuck living the same day over and over again, literally living the same day over and over again. You've probably seen the bumper stickers, SSDD, same stuff, different day. They use a different word than stuff. Um, When these algorithms take over our lives, sometimes we can be living the same day over and over again. We meet new people, we go to different places, we have different experiences, but our filter is such that we, we haven't lived anything new, right? We see everybody the same, even though they're not the same, right? If I'm a distrusting person, I'm gonna see distrusting people every day of my life and I'm gonna miss out on something. So the scary thing is with these algorithms, we could be living the same day again and again and again, same stuff, different day, again and again, even though we go to different places, we meet new people, right? We just don't filter it in the correct way. So let's think about that and let's look at some of these quotes from Richard Rohr, right? To begin to see with new eyes, we must observe and usually be humiliated by the habitual way that we encounter each other in every moment. It's humiliating because we will see that we are well-practiced in just a few predictable responses. Few of our responses are original, fresh, or naturally respectful of what is right in front of us. We're living the same day over and over again. We're seeing people in the same way over and over again. All right. See if this is true for you. It might not be. It might be. The most common human response is to a new moment. When we meet somebody new, we have a new experience at work or school or in nature, right? The most common human responses to a new moment are mistrust, cynicism, fear, knee-jerk reactions, a spirit of dismissal, and overriding judgment, judgmentalism. We see something new, and we are skeptical. We are negative. We're not going to see the good in it. We're going to see the bad. And it's again and again and again, right? We're living the same day over and over again, right? The most common human responses, right? So it's discouraging when we have the courage to finally see that these are the common ways that our ego tries to be in control of the data instead of allowing the moment to get some control over us and teach us something new, right? So our brain is telling us how to see something, and we're not seeing it as truly as it really is, as beautiful and as amazing as it really is. Okay? Uh, let's keep going with Richard Rohr. Okay, Early stage spirituality, right, trying to get a connection with God, is largely about identifying and releasing ourselves from these blockages by recognizing what an unconscious reservoir of expectations, assumptions, and beliefs we are already immersed in. Let's leave that up for a second, right? So our early stage spirituality is largely about identifying and releasing ourselves from these blockages, these algorithms, right? An unconscious reservoir of expectations, assumptions, and beliefs, right? So I want you to think about your experience. 
want you to think about your worldview. I want you to think about the filters and the ways that you see life. Think of it as like a big reservoir with inside of your soul, of your brain. Is that clean water? Is that dirty water? Is that nasty water? Um, some people call it experience. Some people call it baggage, right? Worldview, filter, right? He uses the word reservoir. What's the stuff that we bring to every day that we carry around and shapes the way that we see the world, right? We have to understand what that looks like. If we do not see what's in our reservoir, we will understand all new things in the same old pattern way and nothing new will ever happen. Same stuff, different day, Groundhog Day. We see the world as we see it and not as it really is. Does that make sense, right? This, this is the stuff that blew me away. Like, I'm missing a lot of the world because all of my baggage and junk that I bring to it are clouding it over. Right? And some of my baggage is good. It protects me. And some of it's just wrong. My little old lady next door baking me brownies doesn't have it in for me. Right? She's just bringing me something nice to eat. Right? But I can't see that. All right, let's keep going. A new idea held by the old self is never a really new idea. Right? If we meet something new, we're not going to let it be new because we're going to bring our old baggage with ourselves. But an old idea held by our new self, when we start seeing past our algorithms, will soon become fresh and refreshing. Okay. So let's think about this in a real world example. Let's imagine a sunset. We could probably all agree that sunsets are beautiful. Maybe your sunset, where's it going to be? Is it going to be over the ocean? Is it going to be over the mountains? Is it going to be over the backyard where you love to hang out with your family by your fire pit? Picture your sunset and how beautiful it is. Where is that? Who's there with you? What does that look like? Maybe we can all agree that sunsets are beautiful gifts of God. They're created by God, right? And if you were to ask anybody in the world, how could they say that this sunset is not beautiful? Well, let's start looking at some filters. Yes, sunsets are beautiful, but you know what? My boyfriend, my girlfriend, who I thought we were going to get married to, we were dating for years, they broke up with me at sunset. And I hate sunsets. I never want to see another sunset. You can't tell me the sunsets are beautiful, my daddy, when I was a little boy, got in his truck and drove off, and he never came home again. I've never seen him again. You know when he drove off? He drove off at sunset, and I hate sunsets. They suck, right? I don't want to see another sunset in my life, right? We got a phone call, right, from my, my spouse's doctor saying that they have a terminal illness that took their life. You know when I got that phone call? I got it at sunset. Do you see the filters that we have? And those are real, and those are powerful. And I don't blame you for hating a sunset if something like that happened to you. Right? Because, and, and that's what we bring to everything that we see, right? So this is just one example. But if you take a step back from your filter, a sunset's beautiful. It's a gift of God. You've experienced it through a tough filter, and it's real. And, and we don't want to make fun of that or make light of that. It, it's serious. And it's always going to be a part of who we are. But we're missing out on a beautiful thing that God has created. We've talked some before in our, in our uh, time here at South Park Church about how our pain, if we don't transform our pain, we transfer our pain. Right? If we don't transform our pain about the sunset, then we're going to transfer it, right? We, we transfer it to other people. You know, pretty soon we don't just hate sunsets, we hate sunrises. We don't just hate sunsets and sunrises, we hate anything beautiful because anything beautiful reminds us of our pain. And so we stop seeing beautiful things because we haven't dealt with our pain. 
And so our filters show us a limited view and usually not the truth. Right? That's what we're facing here. Right? It's challenging. Psychology right, calls this projection. Right? We take what is going on inside of us and we project it onto the things that we meet in our world. And sometimes it is a match and is true, but oftentimes it's not. We take our stuff projected on something else and, and turn something else into something that it's not. Usually take something beautiful and we turn it into something negative. Right? And if we keep doing this, same stuff, different day, Groundhog Day, right? We live the same stuff again and again and again, and we can miss out. We can be in danger of missing out on the beauty of God and the creation in the world right? because we have these filters. And these filters are real, and they hurt, and they're painful. We've got to figure out a way to get past them and get over it because we're missing out on so much of what's beautiful in the world. And we're probably missing out on seeing God in our lives every day because our filters prevent that. Our algorithms prevent that. So let's keep going with Richard Rohr, right? Contemplation actually fills our reservoir with clean, clear water that allows us to encounter experience free of old patterns, right? So we want to wash out the old junk. We want to get new, fresh water in our reservoir to be able to see. So let's go and look at uh, uh, some scripture. Uh, but before we do that, you know, just one more way of thinking about this. Like when we see something in the world, we've got to be aware of these filters that are, that are happening underneath of us, right? So if we walk up and we see a really smiling, goofy-looking kid that everybody's laughing at, if we're in the mood that day to think it's cute, it's cute. But if we're not, we're not going to see that that's a cute kid. We're going to think that's an annoyance, right? So again, a lot of what we see in the world reflects what's going on inside of us. We project it out. We're kind of like a mirror reflecting our junk out onto the world and so we're either predisposed to see something good or we're predisposed to see something bad based upon what's going on inside of us so we got to figure out a way how to clear that reservoir and those those filters out so let's look at scripture we're going to look at some stuff from jesus uh we're going to be in matthew 7 1 through 6 he's going to be talking about judging other people and this is a great passage about judgment and it would be a whole nother sermon but there's something in here that, that speaks to what we're talking about today. So I'm going to try to pull that out for you. All right. So Jesus says, do not judge or you too will be judged. Right. This sermon is not about judgment, but there's something in here that, that, that goes with the sermon today. From the same way you judge others, you'll be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Okay. Let's keep going. All right. This is, this is the part that's relevant for us today. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye, right? We see other people's filters. We see how other people might misjudge the world, right, from a small way. And in the meantime, right, while they have like a little speck of dust in their eye, we have like a log or a plank in our eye, right? We, we can't even see our own baggage. We can't see our own filters, our own algorithms, right? And so... Jesus is saying, wake up, right? You've got to pay attention to what's going on in your own vision. Let's see what happens, right? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, right? Worry about your own filters. Worry about your own algorithms. Worry about your own baggage. And then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye, right? So be careful judging other people. Why don't you look at what's going on in, in your own life? 
Um, but then Jesus says this interesting thing. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. Right? So in the first five verses, Jesus says, don't judge other people unfairly. But here he's saying, you do need to be discerning. There are some bad people out there, and you don't want to give away good stuff that's going to get you into trouble, right? So don't judge other people unjustly, but also be discerning. There's some people who try to take advantage of you. Don't let people take advantage of you, right? So again, that's a great other sermon about judgment and judging people. But what I want to pull out of this is, a lot of times in our lives, we're blind to our own issues. We're blind to how we see the world. We're blind to our algorithms. We're blind to our baggage. We're blind to our experience, the way that we have a lens to see the world. And so Jesus is saying, time out, take a break. What could you be missing based upon how you're seeing the world? Right? What filters are you using to look at out in the world? Are they right? Are they wrong? Right? Jesus is saying, take a look. We talked about a couple weeks ago about how we all have blind spots, spiritual blind spots, like you're driving in a car and you can have a Mack truck beside you and not even see it unless you look over at it, right? We have spiritual blind spots inside of us. This was the takeaway from that sermon a couple of weeks ago. We all have a blind spot and it's shaped exactly like us, right? We blind ourselves to the way that we see the world, right? If you missed that sermon, go back a couple of weeks ago, jump into that. Um, what log or plank might be in your eye that prevents you from seeing the world as it really is? What algorithm's running in the background? What filter? What water's in your reservoir? Like, what does that look like? Okay, another quote from Richard Rohr here. Without maturity and seeing, we never really meet or accept the other, right? Another person, another thing like a sunset, right? Without maturity and seeing, we never really meet or accept the other as other, but live out of our own inner states over and over again like a dog chasing his tail, right? Without spiritual maturity, we're seeing people through our filter rather than seeing them as they really are. We're seeing God through our filter rather than seeing God as we really are, and we're chasing our tail. We're chasing our tail. We're chasing our tail. We're, we're living the same day again and again. We're same stuff, different day. Does that sound like you? I've been there. I'm still there in some ways, and it's tiring. Right? And so Jesus is saying, let's wake up, let's figure out what's going on, and let's ask God to show us people as they are, things as they are, God as God is, and be discerning of how we use our filters. So I think the big question is, well, how do we see the world unfiltered? How do we see God unfiltered? Because some of us have had filters for years and years and years, like decades, right? And, and that's how we see, like, how do, you, how do you not deal with that? Like, we bring our experience to everything that we do, and, and there's good in that, right? We should learn from our experience. Sometimes our experience and our filters serve us very well, but sometimes they don't, and they, they give us a myopic view, a very small tunnel vision view, and we're missing out on seeing God and other people and the beauty that God's created all the time. So how do we see God unfiltered? Well, we're going to talk all about that next Sunday. <laughs> so I hope you'll come back for that. But I want to give you a teaser. I don't want to leave you hanging, right? We, we, we talked uh, also a few weeks ago about how sometimes the way that we break through this unfortunately comes by crisis. Something knocks us down. It, it knocks the humility into us. It takes the ego out of us. There, there's something 
bad happens to us in our lives that we can't get through and it, it knocks the filters out of, our, out of our eyes. And we're calling out to God, we're calling out to people and we see life as it really is. And so unfortunately, sometimes it's a crisis, right? And I say unfortunately, but if we live through that crisis, usually there's good things that come out of that because we have a fresh perspective of how God is with us in hard times, how people rally around us in hard times and we get through it and we see the world and we appreciate the world better. We have more humility, we have more gratitude, we don't take things or people for granted, right? So sometimes it's a crisis that helps us shake the filters out. But the good news also is that sometimes it's great things, right? Sometimes it's, it's an awe-inspiring experience, it's an awe-inspiring person, it's, it's the moment of awe, like awe as in awesome. Something awesome happens to us, and it's so awesome that it stuns us, and it knocks the filters right off of our eyes, right? And so if you think about, we see this in Scripture. We see it in Scripture with a man named Moses uh, who helped lead the people of Israel out of captivity in Egypt, lead them, uh, you know, towards the promised land of Israel. Like Moses is this great hero of the Bible, but you might forget that before Moses did all these really cool things, he was a murderer, and he was on the run from the law. He was on the run for his life, right? And so as Moses is this bad guy, he's this murderer, he's on run for his life, he's running from the law, he has this moment of awe when he comes up in the desert upon this bush that's on fire, but it's not burning up, and the bush begins to talk to Moses, right? And so most people would think he's crazy. He's probably thinking he's crazy, but if you've heard the story, it's the burning bush. God appears to Moses in a bush that's on fire that doesn't burn up and is talking, right? And so Moses has this moment of awe, awesome, I'm seeing God, and he surrenders to it. He takes off his sandals because now he's standing on holy ground in the presence of God where he never thought he would see God. So he has this moment of awe, awesome, and he surrenders to it. And all the filters that Moses had in his mind about killing this guy, running away, about uh, Egypt and Pharaoh and all, it's gone because all he can do is live in the moment. I'm in the presence of God. I'm going to take my shoes off. This is holy ground. Right? He's not thinking about anything else, just the God that's in front of him. I wonder what burning bushes are burning in your life right now. So I believe that there are. I believe that God is talking to you. Maybe not through a literal burning bush, but metaphorically, how is God appearing to you in awesomeness? And we might not be able to see that, right? to see it and to surrender. That's the hope. Right? Sometimes it's crisis and sometimes it's a moment of awe. Maybe it is a sunset or a sunrise. Maybe it's a person in your life. Maybe it's a situation in your life. Maybe it's God standing in front of you directly, right? There's lots of ways that God reveals God's self. What burning bush might be in your life that will melt away some of these algorithms and filters so that you can truly see God in reality as they are? Another quote from Richard Rohr. The spiritual journey is constant interplay between moments of awe, as in awesome, followed by a general process of surrender to that moment. We see God as God is. We see a person as they are. We enjoy a moment as it is to live in that moment as special and beautiful, and it, it blows our filters away. That's what I hope for you. That's what I hope for myself, and um, that's what I think 
possible. So again, next Sunday, if you want to come back, we're going to talk more about awe and how to see God unfiltered and how to see people unfiltered in our lives. Um, Each week we've been also doing kind of a, once a week we do a spiritual practice, kind of teach you a little bit about a spiritual practice that you can then go home and and practice and try to see God or people in a different light. And today I'm going to do that. The, The name of it doesn't sound very ancient, but uh, I think the process is ancient. But anybody know what malware is on your computers, right? So we've got hardware. That's like the, like, that's like the disk and the disk drive and the, uh, the chip and the boards. And it's your computer, the stuff, the hard stuff that you can touch, right? Your monitor, all that kind of stuff. Then there's the software. That's the stuff that's inside that, that runs the programs, you know, whether you're playing, you know, a word doodle or you're looking up the internet stuff, whatever, the software runs that. Well, there's a stuff called malware. Mal means bad. And so sometimes malware gets onto our computers, usually through an email. We click on it or we click on a link. And malware is like the virus that gets on your computer and makes it super slow or, or someone's spying on you or you, you uses your computer as a, a network of computers to launder money around the world. Like all this stuff is really happening, right? So we get... So you get all this antivirus, you know, don't click on attachments that you don't know, don't go to websites that you don't know or trust, because you don't want malware on your computer because it messes it up. Well, sometimes our filters, sometimes our algorithms in our lives can be malware, right? We, like that malware of distrust that we've been talking about, right? The stuff that's running in our brains and in our hearts, right? So the spiritual practice for this week is about malware, right? I want you to scan for malware in your brains and in your hearts, right? What you think about and your emotions, what you love, right? Think of it in, in that, that sense of the word, right? So, right, if you do not do a conscious scan of how and why your mind and heart are operating in a certain way at the beginning of your prayer time, often hidden and well-disguised malware will control the entire experience. When I'm talking to God today, what am I bringing with me? What baggage, what experience, what worldview, what filters, right? Some of that's good, and some of it's not, right? What's been going on my day? What's going on in the back of my mind? Right? Why did I get mad at the guy in traffic who didn't turn on their blinker? Am I really mad at the guy in traffic who didn't turn on their blinker? No, there's something else in my life that's just bugging me and, and churning me up, right? So to be thinking about what am I bringing to God? What am I bringing to the conversation with my friend or my family member? What's going on in the back of me? Sit quietly and watch the screen of your heart and mind. What's occupying them? So literally sit down. If you can imagine on one side, think of like a, a computer screen that represents your mind, one that represents your heart. What's driving your mind today? What's driving your emotions, your heart today? What's going on? Why are you feeling the way that you're feeling? What's good? What's not good, right? Just literally try to imagine that, okay? What's occupying that, right? Is it a positive general drive, right, or energy, right, kind of like love? Or is what driving you stingy and complaining, right, negative, like death, right? So what's driving you? positive energy, negative energy, good stuff, bad stuff, right? And again, it's okay to have bad stuff, right? We just, it's part of life. We just have to deal with it. We have to recognize it and ask God to help us deal with it. Don't feel guilty about it. We all have bad stuff that we're dealing with, right? But let's just name it, name it, name it what it is. Stay at prayer for as long as it takes to move from death to love, right? I got a lot of negativity. 
I got to get to some positivity, right? Let's, let's, might, might I'll be with God for five minutes. Might be here all night. Let's see what that's, what's good, that's going to do, right? Run your malware scan over your heart and mind whenever possible. Not to judge yourself, not to hate yourself, not to condemn yourself, but just to see the problem and to install some new firewalls and self-protection devices. What did I see today that was awesome? What did I see today that was good? What, what can I set up to fight the malware? So practice this scanning for the malware in your heart and in your mind. What are the algorithms? What are the reservoirs? What, what's driving you today? And again, good and bad, it's okay. We'll just name it and see what's driving us and moving us forward. So what's the point today? What's the big idea? What's the takeaway? I think this is it. How we see is what we see. What's going on in the back of our brains, what's going on in our hearts, right? The algorithms, how we see the world will affect what we see. Is it a beautiful sunset or is it an ugly sunset because I'm bringing my past experience, right? right? How we see is what we see, right? So we want to learn how to see what's in front of us without our filters, right? So look up Luke eleven thirty three through 36. We didn't cover that today. Uh, but that's a great example of God talking about that. So a couple of action steps. Uh, first, identify your algorithms. What's in your reservoir? What kind of water is in your reservoir? What's your algorithm? What's driving you? What's your worldview? What's your filter? Right? What does that look like? If you don't know, ask somebody who knows you well. Pretty good bet they know what, what's driving you. And if they love you, they can tell you that in a way that's kind and honest. What's driving you? What's been driving you for five years, 10 years, 20 years? Right? Is it right, we, a, a spirit of distrust? Uh, is it a spirit of love? Like, wh- what's going on? What, what are your filters for the way that you see the world? Is that a narrow view? Right? Are you able to take the filters off and see people as they really are, or nature as it really is, or God as God really is? Right? And the second thing to do is scan for malware. We just talked about that. Do that practice. I want to go back to the beginning of the definition for contemplation and see if this makes any more sense to you. Right? Contemplation is a kind of seeing that's much more than just looking at something because it also includes recognizing and appreciating who is in front of me. What is in front of me? Is God in front of me? How can I recognize and appreciate God just because who God is, because who the person is, not what I bring to the table? Right? The contemplative mind does not tell us what to see, but teaches us how to see what we behold. We want to see reality as it really is, not with all the junk that we're bringing with us. Who is this person in front of me? What is this beauty of nature in front of me? Who is God unfiltered before me that I can stand in the presence, that burning bush that's lighting it up? Guys, I know what it's like to live with filters. I got a million filters. And I'm 52 years old, and in some ways, I've lived 52 years of the same exact day. Right? The way that I see people, the way that I interact with people. I got an email the other day from a church member who, who, mean, who meant well in the email. I read it the wrong way, and I fired back pretty nasty email. And she didn't mean in the way that I sent it back. I was going through my filter, and I owed her a big apology, and I, and I had to issue that, right? It's just how we are. We're human beings. Right? She meant something in one way, and I used my filters, and I completely screwed it up. 
and probably hurt her feelings. That's what I'm talking about. That's why when I read this stuff, it it hit me like a ton of bricks. What am I projecting onto the world? What am I mirroring back to the world rather than saying, hey, this is God, or this is a person, or this is a gift from God, right? How can the sunset be ugly? And I understand we've been hurt and we've been betrayed, and that's why we create all these filters to protect ourselves. And sometimes it's good to be protected, and we need those filters. But at some point, we got to let them go. And we got to appreciate the beauty and the love and the divinity that's burning right in front of us. So that's my hope for you. I invite you to think and pray about this. And pray with me. Open my eyes that I may see. Will you say that with me? Open my eyes that I may see. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. To those of you who are worshiping,